It's Cam. Welcome back to another episode of This Might Be Helpful. And we'll see. We will see. Maybe. Maybe it will be helpful. Maybe we will find a closer truth. Something with less in between it. And the final truth is saying nothing at all. So you know that whatever comes next, these minutes of speaking, they will be filler. They're all filler for what is the truth. And the truth, the closer you come to it, the more silent it is. The more silent your mind is. The farther we are away, the more noise we put into the gap. And then that noise does what other frequencies do, and it, it bounces off the truth, and it comes back a little bit jumbled. Because there's so much in between it. So many years of neuroplasticity, brain adaptation, so many years of individual, entirely unique human experiences that when extrapolating the, the inner essence of these experiences, we all resemble the same core components. But individually, we are very different. The self is very different. So today's episode is going to be a little bit about the self, maybe a little bit about the ego, spirituality, yes, we'll do some of that, and awareness, maintaining resilience and building resilience just by continuing to go through what you go through now, but with a resilient perspective. It's compound interest with all mindset approaches. It starts off as difficult. It doesn't really make sense. It's not sticking, finding it hard to be consistent, and then you act consistently, deliberately. And eventually you'll find that that is now your mindset. It has been wired into the self. And that's very handy because the self is in the brain. And the brain does a lot of the work for us really. But we get so tangled up in it that we don't realize that the self is something else because we can see the self. And can the self see the self? Can scissors cut themselves? Can you bite your own teeth? Can you touch the tip of your finger with the same tip of that finger? Am I distracted right now? Maybe? Am I enjoying myself? Yes. I'm sitting in my dad's shed out in the yard because there's nowhere to podcast in the house. So I just sat here for about 30 minutes, just fiddling with different things, trying to get myself comfortable. But that is the key to it all is just to ride with the discomfort, accept it, embrace it, go with it. Trust that when the opportunity arises to do the right thing, to make the right decision, you will do that. So that's what we're doing today. <clears throat> the reason I left the doors open on this shed is because I think it serves a purpose. There will be cars driving past. There will be dogs barking, people speaking, drills and hammers and various tools of construction. And that is what we need to be a part of. We need to embrace it, or at least surrender to it, accept that it is what it is, that it's an element of the abundance of the world we live in, just the organic stimuli occurring around you. And it's important that uh, we meditate on that. 
we meditate on the organic stimuli of the world around us. And when I say organic, I do mean everything. But we are plagued by stimuli at all times. And we've developed some very useful mechanisms, tools, to sift through that noise, so to speak, and pick out the parts that are personally relevant to us. And the ego helps to do that. The ego does a lot of things. The ego is. It's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. It just is. But when we are unmindful of how our ego shifts and navigates and leads us through our days, then we can end up being misled. Because the ego is another filler between the truth in ourselves, the truth in the awareness of the truth. It's more filler, and it's very necessary because I'd be paralyzed if everything was relevant to me. If every bird chirping, every insect buzzing, every motorcycle revving, every dog barking was relevant to me, I would be stuck right here. But it also is relevant to you. It's all relevant because it's all irrelevant. Meditating on the experience that comes into this space that is you. If consciousness is the space in which it all occurs, the awareness of it all, the awareness of you, things are coming in and out of that space all day. Various energies just buzzing in and buzzing out. And we only hold on to a few of them. Of all the stuff that comes through the space of us, we have a very fine sieve, a colander, a strainer. And we only hold on to the stuff that keeps us stuck. The stuff that keeps us stuck by predicting a future that does not yet exist. And all the things that exist in the moment are the things that we let go. So, for example, thoughts, if they are an emanation of biological processes, of neural pathways and responsive mechanisms that help us to react to the world. When the sound of a bird comes into your mind, you don't hold on to it. When the sound of a truck driving past comes into your mind, you do not hold on to it. When a thought about somebody's perception of you comes into your mind, we hold on to it. And we bring it into us. And when we bring this thought into us, if we ponder on it and sit with it for too long, it just becomes us. It becomes a part of the self. It becomes a unrestrained, unmitigated rabbit hole of thought bouncing down different little neural pathways like pinball in your brain. And then these little thoughts, they become frameworks and parameters that we use to make sense of the world. Do you hear the vehicles out there? Lots of four-wheelers in Montana, ATVs. And we breathe through it and we let it go. And the sound of the UTV, the ATV is now past us and no longer relevant to our present state of mind. But when a thought comes in and we stick with it, it becomes relevant to our present state of mind. Anxious thoughts perpetuate anxious feelings. And anxious feelings are Cascades of chemicals that, in turn, perpetuate the racing thoughts. 
and it's the loop that we get stuck in. And it's a loop that's bolstered by the ego. We look at thoughts as internal, as us. And we look at birds as external. And we use different senses to perceive these things. We use this interoception to be aware of what is going on within us. If you have good interoception, you can just feel your heartbeat by sitting there. You can count your beating heart. You don't have to put your finger to the pulse. You just know. You're always aware of what's going on in the inside. And that makes it difficult when you have this kind of physical awareness because you're very sensitive to it. And if you don't know what to do about it, then it just perpetuates and you're hyper aware of it. It's also why some people, I believe, can respond poorly to THC-based medicines, especially in large doses, which everybody can respond poorly to that. But cannabis appears, feels to me, to be something that increases this interoception, this awareness of what's going on on the inside. And we look at thoughts, we don't even question that they are going on on the inside, they are us. It's when we become the thought, we do not distance ourselves from it, we just become the thought and go wherever it goes. Just riding along on his coattails, getting dragged. And when you get to the end of the whole way that it's dragged you down, you're like, where am I? Where have you taken me? And so it's your job to pull yourself back out, to go back to the start of that thought, of that little electrical pathway, so that you can get a greater field of view and have a look around, see if there are any other pathways you could follow. And those pathways, the ones that we use to adopt, change, refine our mindset, require a little bit of effort. There's nothing there yet. But effort and consistency and a healthy lifestyle, they go so far. So a healthy lifestyle is giving you all the ingredients, social nourishment, energetic nourishment, creative nourishment, rest, restoration, the expansive realm of things that we can engage in or non-engage in that fill us up. Activities of non-effort, so to speak. It's a Taoist concept. We should strive for non-effort. And that doesn't mean what it sounds like it means, where you just sit. It means finding things that are so enjoyable, so part of this enrichment of human experience, skills that you get good at, things that you can do almost effortlessly and engage in as much non-effort as you possibly can. And non-effort is achieved through mastery or at least moderate competency. And we should be competent. We should be obsessed with the gathering and accumulating of new skills simply because of the fact that it's enjoyable to do. It's good to be good at something. It's good to feel like you're in your zone, like you can reach this level. And through being good at things, you develop a confidence and you can apply that confidence to multiple fields because it's not a confidence in your ability to do that one thing. It's your confidence in your ability to learn how to do things. It's an inherent belief and faith in yourself that if you don't know it, you will. If you want to, if you need to, if it's relevant. Not for the ego, though. 
This is just literally my ego flaring up right now, maybe. But being good at things obviously bolsters your ego, which I think you need a healthy amount of, especially at the start, just to get through the initial discomfort of engaging in something that you're bad at. And being bad at something is necessary. It's part of the process. It's, it's fun. And you can deliberately see it as fun. Discomfort, stress, pain. These are human concepts that we access via our own interpretation through our neural pathways. And to some of us, the experience of this concept is debilitating and painful and you don't want to go near it. You don't want to touch it. You do everything you can to stay where it's comfortable. And then there are some people that thrive under stress. They have the mindset that stress enhances their performance. They have the mindset that they can just accept and experience the stress rather than apply another layer of suffering on top of it. Stressed about being stressed. Or stress is releasing a nice subtle cascade of adrenaline and cortisol, a little bit of dopamine. And if you can act, you unlock that. And you can pour it into whatever is stressing you out. And if you can't change what's stressing you out right now, go for a walk, intervene with the body, return to the faith, to the belief, to the idea that when the opportunity to make the right decision presents itself, you will make the right decision. It will present itself. And whatever you're experiencing right now will pass. It will pass. There's a Taoist story that I'm going to butcher. But a student went to his meditation teacher and he said, my meditation is awful. I'm uncomfortable. My legs hurt. My back hurts. Nothing's happening. I'm constantly falling asleep. It's horrible. And the teacher responded, it will pass. A week later, the student came back to the teacher and he said, my meditation is just wonderful. I feel so at peace. I see what it is. And the teacher replied matter-of-factly, it will pass. Our mindset is our responsibility. And I, I don't know at what stage in your life you're hearing this right now. Because mindset has only really become a popular thing pretty recently. A studied thing, a researched thing. Something we discuss a lot. And some of us were just raised around shitty mindsets. Nature versus nurture. And it, it's difficult. Some people have had these mindsets installed into them. The spell of words, the power of the human voice. 
being told something at a very young age that for the teller was an off-the-cuff moment of frustration manifesting in a, an attack in your direction because they felt bad. But they might have hit a nerve. They might have hit a real nerve. Somebody told me at the age of seven that I couldn't be a paleontologist, that it didn't have what it took to stand in the dirt, in the sun, naming things with many syllables. That would have severely held things back. Some of us were raised by people that fostered creativity and self-belief, not through falsities and facades of participation awards or being told that you will do anything that you want in this life just because you can. But the people that say, yes, you can do anything you want in this life if you apply yourself and remain studious and diligent and surround yourself with people that want to help you, people that you can help, aim to create something of value, something that touches society, makes society run, something that brings art to the world, expression of human experience that we can tap into and resonate with and find ourselves within. Some people were told that they sucked at singing and they never sing again. It's the power of the word. It just puts a spell on you. And so we have to undo the spells or at least divert their path because it's easier to modulate an old habit than to build a new one entirely. Easier to shift the course of a neural pathway than to build a new one entirely. Both can be done. Both are done. Neural pathways are formed through experience. Deep happiness, excitement, repetition, or trauma. Traumatic pathways are very thick. And so we find ourselves at a realm where many people don't even have the nutritional or the physiological nourishment they need to even change their pathways. If you get a blank piece of paper and you want to draw something beautiful, but you only have your fingernail, yes, after a while you will see a resemblance or be something there, but the dude with the paint gunning it, going for it. And so you need to stock up. You need to consolidate your energy. You need to be deliberate about who you spend that energy with and on and for. Bring your energy out of the familiar past, out of the predictable future, out of desire, out of jealousy, out of a yearning to be anywhere but where you are. Bring your power into you. Resident energy field. This is humming around you. Golden orb, lavender energy, something abundant, right? Consolidate your energy, even if it's just to make the decision to get out of bed, even if it's the decision to get up and go for a shower, to continue studying, to call that person and to tell them how you really feel because you understand that it's healthy to be vulnerable, but deliberately so. Wearing your heart on your sleeve in a thoughtful manner consolidating your energy. You need to be getting sunlight. You need vitamin D. You need to be in the sun. That is critical. 
Ideally, you need to be in nature at least, at least once a week. You can get there. Something that resembles nature. Something that grows from the ground and has been here for longer than we have. They know. The trees know. You need to get your protein in. You need to get your fat in. Because fat is energy and we need it. You need to get your bloods done, potentially. Just make sure that there are no missing physiological pieces right now that are severely impacting the way that you feel. I know that when I'm super low on magnesium, I suck. My mood drops a little bit. I'm not as sharp. My reactions aren't as good. I don't have the same energy. So I'm not saying that you have a magnesium deficiency, although most people do. I say most as in 65% maybe. Let's be honest, it's a clapping. Let's be honest, it's probably closer to 80. FDA did not approve this message. My point is, reduce your spectrum of uncertainty by seeking medical professionalism and understanding if there are any components within your body right now that could be shifted with a slight lifestyle or dietary change. Identify what relationships and circumstances and thoughts and stresses you are leeching energy to. The things that come into your mind late at night, the things that run on autopilot while you're driving and transform this energy, this consolidated energy into positive self-talk and the development of a reflective practice, creating time for evaluation, for thinking about your thoughts, for thinking about the thinker of those thoughts and what that thinker might think he wants, she wants, they wants. Consolidate your energy so that you can use it effectively and deliberately, laying down new neural pathways in the landscapes of your mind that before now mightn't have ever been explored. This is uncharted territory. What might you find? Ambition, maybe? Peace? Acceptance? A new love for the people, the world? You? A new flavor of gratitude? Something that you only saw in movies before, but now you feel it? a connection and understanding of love, of happiness, of peace, an understanding that doesn't require you to apply linguistics to it, to paint it in a string of words that we can then throw to other humans. And that's, look, if you're going to be throwing any spells around, spells of love, that's a noble and valiant and wholesome thing to be doing. Spit love wherever you go. It's awesome. Take care of people. Give people compliments. Anyway, I digress. Building these new neural pathways require that you be honest with yourself, brutally honest with yourself. And that means dissipating the layer of ego that sits between you and the truth, or at least what we think the truth is. If we can see through the ego or get beyond that ego, beyond the self, and just take a little look back and go, you know what? Am I acting like a dickhead? I might be acting like a dickhead. I mightn't have been pulling my weight lately. I might have been distracted by menialities that take me away from the bigger picture, that take me away from the moment. I might have just been tired this week because I'm not taking care of myself, because I haven't been giving myself the restoration, the nourishment I need to feel good, or at least to increase my chances of feeling good. I haven't been spending time and attention on my relationships properly. 
I think that I communicate poorly when I get upset because that's how I was taught to communicate when I was younger. And being vulnerable is very difficult. And I don't want to do difficult things because they're painful. If we can draw ourselves back to that point and see that the space between ourselves and the truth can be cleared of its noise through action and transparency and stillness. Be open to how you are feeling and your dissections of those feelings. We're not talking about justifications or excuses, just a, as an objective view as we can get on what's going on, on what we are doing, on what we are like, on how we could change. We have to be critical with ourselves. But that critical aspect shouldn't be turned into an overthinking. It's that in itself. If we stop thinking, most of our problems going away. And so a lot of this is about just that, right? Understanding what's going on in your brain, the little ping pong alleyways that are our neural pathways. And we need to engage in practices, reflective practices, whether it's meditation or silence or going on a nice slow drive with yourself and thinking about what is, thinking about areas in which we could improve ourselves because we change our mindsets. We start to look at discomfort as growth, as strength. We start to look at stress as our innate ability to get shit done when we need to. We need to look at our interactions as something that we can be embodying love within. We need to be kind to ourselves. And sometimes being kind to yourself is actually giving yourself a kick in the ass. That's the kindest thing you could do. And when I say giving yourself a kick in the ass, we're giving the ego a kick in the ass. We are aware that there is a self with an ego that is presenting barriers to action because it wants to keep us comfortable, because it wants to preserve and maintain our energy, keep us away from danger, find the good stuff. But the ego was never taught and the self was never taught. It learned, but it's never been taught how to be. So let's try flipping some things on their heads. Let's try inverting things. Cold outside? Or is it cold outside? Is the cold really going to suck today? Or am I going to be totally fine because I have an incredibly adaptable body and my homeostasis is on point? I forgot the rest of that thought. Uh, I'll tell you why. <clears throat> I'll tell you why I forgot that thought. Because I'm spending too long thinking about thoughts, right? Too long trying to give you this meandering, chaotic ADHD truth today. I'm just trying to talk how I feel. And I realize that maybe the pendulum should swing a little bit back, back towards the middle. Because the middle is often where the truth lies. And the middle is a balance between preparation and flow. Preparation and innovation. Impromptu innovation. Infinitely. Anyway, to recap... Try and wrap your awareness around all of the organic stimuli that comes into the space that is you... And then from that vantage point, we can realize that our thoughts are one and the same. Our thoughts are just another noise, the first layer of the external world coming out to greet us. And our job as a sentient, conscious body is to be able to pull yourself away from the ego, pull yourself away from the self, untangle all the knots and emotions and 
tension you have with this thing that is being you. And then once we grant ourselves this distance perspective through silence and solitude and embracing whatever comes to the surface, being, being transparent and honest with ourselves, then we can start to see what we're doing and what we're not doing. We could start to see how we're feeling and how we're not feeling. We start to see the little, little implementations and adjustments and tending to's that can really alter the trajectory of our experience. Be honest with ourselves and act and we'll figure it out. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Good day to you. Bye.